you have your Bibles today, open up to Matthew, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. We're on this series, Let's Talk About Prayer, part three of Let's Talk About Prayer. And today's message is entitled, Keep On Going. Or as some of you used to say, keep on keeping on, or keep on trucking. There's all different ways. Every generation has one way of saying it or not, nothing. I'm sure the millennials and the new, new people got ways of saying it, but I'm not that hip, so I'm too tired to be woke, so let's just keep on going. And we're going to talk about, hey, keep on going. That, I, didn't even, I didn't even plan to say that. It was kind of like a pun in a pun. All right, moving on. Well, So the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about prayer. We learned in part one that prayer is the application for breaking up your ground. If you're, if you're tired of seeing things the way they've always been, Prayer is the application to see change move about. Remember what, I think it was Einstein who said it, if you keep doing the same things over and over again and expect a different result, that's the definition of insanity. And prayer is getting out of that habit of just going through the motions or going the way I always do it. Prayer is coming to God saying, God, I'm inviting your power and your presence and Lord, your direction on what way and how I should do these things. So it's the application for us getting out of just the rut, getting out of not seeing fruitfulness in our life. And last week we talked about that the point of prayer is a conversation with God. That is really the point of prayer. It's not some mysticism. A lot of people start getting into some weird, no, no, no. The point of prayer is to have a conversation with God. We read, we read over there, and it was actually in Luke as well, we read how when you go into your secret place to pray, it says that the Father is already waiting there. Some of you may not think that. Maybe you didn't hear it last week, but let me, let me say it again. God is waiting for us to come to him. He's there waiting, open arms, anytime. How many of you like that? When, when you go somewhere, it's, there's no line. Like you walk into Starbucks, the, the baristas are just waiting for you. It's never like that. It's always like seven people deep, and you're like, it's Starbucks. It's coffee. Order! The menu hasn't changed. Order! You ever get really annoyed at that? Like you go into a place, like fast food place? I used to hear a comedian, he'd always, he'd always tell a joke. He goes, you're standing in line at McDonald's. The menu hasn't changed since 1976. There's cheeseburgers and fries. Order! I always get that way. You know, especially if you're hangry. You're just like, come on, move. I don't like waiting. I mean, you don't have to wait for God to show up. God is waiting there, wanting to talk to you and wanting to listen to you. It's a two-way conversation. Well, today we're going to dive in a little bit more, and I'm really excited to maybe build you up and talk about to keep on going in prayer because there's this, this natural tendency for us to, to start to wither back when we start feeling adversity. We start seeing things going on in our life, and I want to encourage you today to keep pressing in. Luke 18, have you found it, found it yet? Luke 18, I haven't found it in my Bible. I'm going to be reading today from a lot from the New Living Translation. I thought I just succinctly said what we were going to be reading, but lots of good translations out there, New King James Version, ESV, the NIV, the ESPN Version, I mean, all, all that you want. By the way, I think the ESPN Version is really popular, especially, I mean, playoffs today. Anyone? Anyone sad that the Seahawks got defeated? I know. I was like, oh, darn. I was like, oh, oh, the playoffs don't have the Patriots and the Seahawks? Oh. Moving on. 
Well, whoever you're, hoping, you're rooting for, we can all be glad that Tom Brady won't be winning. Moving on. <laughs> Do we have any Patriot fans in here? I'm sorry if I offended you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. A lot of Ram fans, a lot of Raider fans. We all feel your pain. I, I, I'm more of a college football guy, and I'm a USC fan, and so I, I can't say anything right now. Just, just gonna, I'm just going to move on to Luke 18. Luke 18, and let's find verse 1. I was stalling for you, just in case you could find it. Luke 18, verse 1, it says this. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show them that they should always pray and never give up. You know what's interesting is a lot of times the parables don't give you the thesis statement. This is one of the times that Jesus actually gives the thesis statement to his parable. You don't have to like go into like the deep mysteries. He's saying, I'm going to tell you a story about why you should always pray and never give up. Well, what does it really mean? That. So let's just go on. Verse 2. We'll come back to that one. But there was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice for this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or don't care about people. What a nice judge, by the way. I don't fear God. I don't care about people. But she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Sounds like my kids. Daddy, can you do this? In a second. Daddy, can you do this? In a second. Daddy, can you do this? I said in a second. He said, this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant request. Verse 6. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust God, a judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. Now notice, if an unjust God, judge, if an unjust judge will render a a right decision. What does he next say? Don't you think that God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out for him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? And I sometimes feel like we as believers feel that way, and that's why we treat prayer as, as very laissez-faire, is because we feel like, well, God is hearing me, but he's just putting me on the back burner. He's just putting me off. Like he, he's giving me the answers tomorrow. And then when I come back to him tomorrow, he says, ask me again tomorrow. And when I come to him again that next day, he says, I'll think about it. God's not like that. God's not like how we can even sometimes treat our own kids. Come on, let's be honest. When, when our kids come up, like sometimes we don't have the best model. I know I do. Like my son came up with, I was talking in the office, I think I was talking with Sal and I was talking with Caesar and my son runs up and says, Dad, I need paper. Dad, I need paper. I'm like, hold on, hold on. And I almost lost it in that moment. Because we're trying to work with him to say, hold on, when an adult is having a conversation with an adult, you wait till they're done. And I wonder sometimes if we feel, maybe because we were treated that way as kids or we see that with how we treat our own kids, we wonder if God is that way with us. That God is really busy working with the world leaders. He's really wor- busy working with the Pope. He's really working with those really, those really mega church pastors. So when I come to him for prayer, he's like, yeah, I'll get to you. Yeah, I got more important things to talk. No, that's not how God sees us. 
In fact, I feel that's why a lot of us get stuck into a rut and prayer is no longer powerful. It's almost this thing that we do without thinking. I was uh, last night, I'm going to tell myself for a little bit. Um, last night I was, I was prepping my message and after I was done with my message, I, I was laying down. I was helping my wife because she wasn't feeling well. And um, I, I always try to put on a TV show that I can kind of zone out to, to fall asleep. I, I'm not one of those sleepers. I'm not one of those people who like it just dead silent. Any dead silent sleepers, I'm not that. I need noise. I need like something to be going on to, to keep my mind. So um, normally, and if, if you think I'm a heathen for this, I'm not. Um, but normally, my TV show was Friends. And I'm sorry if that disappoints you. You're like, Pastor, that's a heathen show. Sinar. I grew up on it. I'm sorry. I know it's not the greatest example, obviously, of Christian living. Um, but it was just one of those shows that I could zone out to. I didn't need to think about it. I didn't need, I could just watch it and just kind of zone out to. And the sad part was is Netflix took it off on January 1st. There's no friends anymore. And so I've been going through this withdrawal of not having a TV show to watch. I need to find something that I can watch but not really zone, not really pay attention to. If I put on a new show, I'm like, oh, I gotta watch this. And it's like three in the morning and I haven't gotten to sleep. I'm like, no, I gotta watch one more episode. So I finally found one, show, uh, one, episode, one show that I can finally zone out to. And it's kind of annoying my wife a little bit, but I think it's the one that's gonna stick for the next little bit. I have been watching every night Saved by the Bell. Come on. Come on. Don't you laugh at it. You knew you were watching it too. Come on. Well, say by the bells of that. And last night we were watching, I was watching it, and there was this music episode where, where all the gang were, was in a band. And it was always really funny. In fact, it was the episode for all of my Saved by the Bell geeks. It's the episode where, uh, where Kelly breaks up with Zach. I know, that's the. <sighs> Feel the pain. I look at look over there. That was me like 20 years ago. No, y'all supposed to be together forever. It was that episode, and it wasn't really that I was looking at, but it was really funny because here are these people getting up and they're playing in a band. And if if you have any sort of musicianship, it really bugged me last night because here they're playing this band, and Zach is going like this, completely offbeat. He's not playing any chords. I'm just like. At least try to look like you know what you're doing. The, the person playing bass is going like this. That is not how you play bass. Guy, guy playing drums, not on beat at all. Like there's cymbal crashes and he's still over here doing this on, on I'm just like, ah! and it just bugged me. And I didn't really notice it when I was younger, probably just because I didn't really know it, but it bugged me so much last night. You have no idea my OCD was kicking in and it was bugging me so bad. I was at least hire fake musicians to look like their hands when you zoom in. No, just terrible. Okay, I'm sorry. Got emotional. See, but they were very clearly not playing at all. It was obviously a track. They were obviously limp singing, pretending to play. What they were doing is they were going through the motions. It looked good. Well, it didn't look good, but it sounded, looked like, it kind of looked like they were doing what they were supposed to be doing, but if you had any inkling of any, any training, you know that they're just kind of going through the motions. Now, why am I saying this? Because this story here that we just read, remember Jesus gave his thesis statement, 
Really, if, if I was to give it a secondary thesis statement, it's to not let our prayer life get to the place where we're going through the motions. Where it looks like we're praying, it sounds like we're praying, but it's not connected to us. It's not connected to our heart. It's not connected to our spirit. It's just become something we do instead of being something that we get to do. Can you imagine if we did that to, to our, our, our spouses? If we, our, the I love you's became something that, oh, I love you, or oh, whatever. Yeah, I love you. Love you. Instead of stopping and looking at our significant other, those times when we can look at them and go, you know what? I don't just love you. Like, I, I, I want to tell you how much I love you. And I want, I want to say how thankful I am. And I want to I I throw some praise on you. I want to, I'm just, I, I love you. There, there's appropriateness to that. And if prayer has become, oh, yeah, I love you. Okay, bye. And just going through the motions. God, I love you. Okay, bye, bye. Oh, yeah. I, pray, I prayed to him. And it's just, if it's a sense of just going through the motions, we've missed out on the powerfulness that we've been talking about in prayer. Point number one, if you're taking notes. Prayer is not just pointless repetition. If you're praying the same prayer over and over, I said the Lord's Prayer, okay, but did you mean it? Did you think about the words you were saying? Did Did you think about the conversation you were having with God? No, it's not a pointless repetition. It's the privilege to come before God. Think about this. You have the privilege that when you approach God in prayer, says Father God is waiting for you. You have the privilege becoming becoming before the Almighty God whenever you want. In the Old Testament, they couldn't do that. They couldn't walk into the tabernacle whenever they wanted. They couldn't walk into the Holy of, of Holies where God's presence was. They couldn't do that at any point. They had to go through certain ritual steps. They had to do it at certain times. Me and you, we get to walk into God's presence anytime we want, and he's waiting for us. That's what Jesus gave us when, he, when, he, when Jesus was crucified. Remember, the, the veil was torn. God's saying, there's no separation between me and you anymore. You can come in anytime you want. And that's the privilege that me and you have, believers, brothers and sisters, that we get to approach God anytime. I love later on in Luke 18, if you, actually the very last couple of verses, and it starts in verse 35. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting on the, on the road. And when he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked what was happening. They told him that Jesus the Nazareth was going by. So he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, now think about this. Again, one of my things I, I always try to stress when I teach the Bible is don't Get so clinical. Don't get so inundated that you don't read this as if it did not happen in your life. Because we just read that, that there's this huge crowd going by. So lots of noise, lots of talking. And there's this blind man sitting off the side of the road. And he hears that it's Jesus of Nazareth going by. And a lot of us maybe picture this in our head. Jesus, son of God. Jesus. Son of David, have mercy on me. No, no, read what it said. He, he, he shouted. So can I, can I give you a reenactment? I'm going to mute this so I don't break everyone's ears. 
Okay, I'm not, uh, for the sake of my throat, I'm not going to strain this. But he began to shout. Why? Because he had to get over the entire crowd to get people's attention. What happened? I love in verse 39. Be quiet, the people in front yelled at him. Shut up. Callete. Silencio. No mas. But notice what happened. But he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. You know what he was doing? He's praying. It wasn't just a, a, a religious thing. He, he was crying out to God. Jesus. Son, crying out to him while he was praying. And what happens? Jesus stopped. Jesus heard him. He stopped. When Jesus hears you, he stops. When God hears you pray, he stops. He doesn't just keep on going. He stops and order the man be brought to him. The man came near Jesus, asked him, what do you want me to do for you? I want to see. And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith is healed. That man was healed. Point number two, if you're taking notes, something will tell you to be quiet. Don't stop. Now, you may not have someone standing next to you. you got to stop praying. Be quiet. Stop praying. Be quiet. Maybe you do. Maybe you have people in your life. Maybe you have unbelievers. Maybe you have people who don't know Jesus, and they're there going, why are you praying? You know that stuff doesn't work. You know that's just, you know that's just all mumbo-jumbo anyway. Maybe you have people in your life, and you need to tell those people, you need to be quiet, or you need to get out of my life. Now, don't kick him out of your life completely, but I'm saying, like, you, you, need, to, you need to keep me at a distance because I need to hear from God right now. But maybe it's the circumstances in life. Maybe something's hit you. Like you've been praying for healing. And you haven't seen it come through yet. You've been praying for provision. And it's not quite there yet. You've been praying for that child who's walked away from the Lord. And and they're still out there. See... The circumstances that life will, will, will look back at us as we pray and say, Shh, don't, don't pray. Just save your breath. He's not listening. But God is. God is listening. There's always going to be something, whether it's a circumstance, whether it's a person, whether it's a situation, that will tell you to be quiet, to stop. Don't. I remember when I was diagnosed with uh, multiple sclerosis, MS, autoimmune disease that attacks your brain, attacks your nerve endings, and there is no cure. In fact, a lot of the times they say some of the things that you go through, you'll never really regain those functions. I went blind in my right eye, completely blind, lost all sight. Not even just like a little bit, like I could not see anything. You could shine a flashlight in my eye. Could not see anything out of my right eye. It was so bad at points that my back would lock up to the point where I'd be on the floor in my living room in tears because I could not move. I could not hold my children. I could not get up and do anything. And I remember in those moments that hopelessness started to speak back to me. Because I was crying out, God, I want to be healed. I don't want to stay in this position. I want to be able to see. I want to be able to hold my kids. I want to be get up and play with them. I don't want to be laying on the floor forever. Like, God, I, I want to be healed. And part of me says, why even bother? 
You've been given this uncurable disease. Why, why, why even bother? Just give up. And I'm so glad I didn't listen to that from the encouragement of my wife, from the believers around me. But when you press through, when you don't see the healing right away, delay does not mean it's not coming. In fact, it was six months later I regained sight completely in my eye. Was prayed over by my brothers and sisters and, and just stood and kept going, to, going back to God. God, I know, I know you said in your word that healing is mine. So, Lord, I'm just reminding you this eye is not healed. So, Lord, you need to heal it. I'm reminding you that you're faithful to your word and your word says that by your stripes I am healed. So, Lord, either you're a liar or you're going to heal me. And I know you're not a liar, so I'm just reminding you, you need to take care of this. See, that, there's nothing wrong with that, with coming to God and reminding him of his faithfulness, reminding him of his promises. Why? Because he knows it. He says in Numbers 23, I am not a man that I should lie, nor a son a man that I should repent. Have I not said and will I not do? And coming to him and going, God, it, it's, I still can't see. You, you could take care of this. When I go into an optometrist today, they look in my eye, they can't see one evidence that I went completely blind. There's not one nerve ending that is damaged in any bit. And I, now, I don't have 20-20 vision. I still got these glasses I got to see. If I take this off, I, I can't see y'all. Y'all look like fuzzy blobs, but, but I can see out of it. I, by the way, I had, the, I, had that, I had the glasses before I was dying with MS. This isn't a condition because of the MS. My back today... I have no issue whatsoever. What did you do? Did you, no, I didn't do anything. I actually stopped going to the chiropractor. I stopped taking all the different things. And Listen, if, if you're on medication, take your medicine. Hear this from my lips today. If you're on medicine, don't stop taking. Well, I'm in faith, and I'm going to believe in that. I'm going to do it, so I'm going to stop taking that, that medication that the doctor says I stop taking. I'm going to die. I'm just believing. Okay, don't be foolish. Paul, Paul he, he, he encouraged Timothy. He said, because of your stomach ailments, drink a little wine mixed with water for your stomach. It was, it was a form of medicine to remedy what was going on in his stomach. So take your medicine. But while you're taking your medicine, continue coming to God and saying, God, I believe. I, be I believe you're going to do this. I believe you're going to heal me. See, I stopped going to the, the, the chiropractor because I couldn't afford it at the time. We moved. I didn't have a chiropractor here. And yet God healed me. Three months after we moved to California, my back completely one day, it was, just, it was after receiving prayer from someone, and I walked, I was like, I'm different. Like, there's no, there's no pain. I'm not having to lay on the floor for hours in the agony. I'm healed. See, but it didn't come right away. I want to tell you something. Isaiah 40, 27 to 31. You with me so far? Isaiah 40, 27 to 31. Verse 27, it says this. Why do you, O Jacob, speak? Why, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? And my just claim is passed over by God. I like how the New Living Translation says it. It's not going to be on the screen. But listen um, how the New Living says it. It says, Oh, Jacob, how can you say that the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? How can you say that? It says in verse 28, Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the, creators of the, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? 
His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fail. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God's saying, how can you say that I'm not hearing your prayer? There are people who may fail. Who, who go weak. In fact, the, the strongest youth, the ones who have all the energy, who have all the strength, even they are going to lose out. But he says this, those who trust and wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Now, I've heard this say, this people will talk about, well, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do when you're waiting on God, when you're waiting for God's answer, when you're waiting for God to do, what you need to do is you need to wait on Him. And, well, that kind of sounds like at a restaurant, like a waiter. So what you need to do, brothers, you need to... I've heard people give this as, a, as an instruction of the Lord. The Bible says you need to wait, and you need to be a waiter, so you need to serve. And you need to serve, and that's when God will answer you, is when you start serving. Anyone ever heard that before? Don't raise your hand if you have. Anyone ever told someone else to do that? Don't raise your hand if you did. Just keep it down. Now, we should, we should serve the Lord, Right? We should serve the Lord. But it's incorrect to say that we're supposed to serve God and then he'll speak to us. Oh, we're supposed to serve God and that's going to be the reason why he answers us. See, that becomes works righteousness. We are no longer under works, it says in Romans. You're, you don't get God because you serve him good enough. You get God because you believe and you have faith. We are supposed to serve him. We are supposed to, but that's supposed to come out of an outpouring of because I follow, because I follow him, I'm going to serve him because I love him. Not because I'm trying to get God to answer my prayers. Not because I'm trying to get God to move. God wants to move if we do anything or not. But this word, when it says those who wait, those who wait on the Lord, it's actually a, a uh, word in Hebrew. It's uh, kavah. And it's spelled Q-A-V-A-H. Q-A-V-A-H. Kava. Say it with me. Kava. Kind of fun word to say. Kava. There's no H. I wish there was the hard H in there so you can spit with impunity, you know, when you speak in Hebrew. This one didn't have it. I'm sorry. Kava. And at its root, this word, and translated, it, it, it means to serve the Lord. Another translation says to follow the Lord or those who trust in the Lord. At its root, it actually means to bind one up or to twist one thing up. It's actually the picture of a rope being made. When a rope is being made, it's being bound together, wound up, braided up together so that all pieces all look like one giant piece. And so when it says to wait on the Lord, it says to, to bind yourself up, to twist yourself up on the Lord. What does that mean? It's point number three, and I'm finishing with this, is get twisted up with God. Because when it talks about wait on the Lord, it's not just saying just wait there and do nothing. What it's saying is, when you're waiting on the Lord, when you're pressing into God, when you're waiting to hear in prayer, continue to get twisted up in Him. You don't just stop and just, well, whatever. No, no, no. It's a twisting up and continually pressing in. 
so that the word of God and my prayer life and all those are just getting all twisted up as I'm sitting there waiting on him. I'm, I'm learning more about the word of God. I'm learning more about what he says. I'm learning more of the truth and it's becoming twisted up. I'm getting bound up in this to the point where I'm becoming who God has called me to be. I'm becoming who God has said I am. Instead of me just waiting over there, well, God, if you're going to do this, okay, and we're just going to go do our own thing. He says, if those who bind themselves up, who get twisted up in the Lord. Those are the ones who renew their strengths. Those are the ones. See, we don't like the waiting part. How many know we have a microwave culture? We believe when we pray, God should answer it right there. See, just because there's a delay doesn't mean that God has said, nope, you're not going to get your healing. Nope, you're not going to get your provision. No, you're not going to get this. Why? Because God is faithful to his word. Look at the examples all throughout the Bible. David. Remember King David in the Old Testament? Do you remember when God called him to be king? When he was just a young shepherd boy. Samuel, the prophet, came and anointed him. You're going to be king of Israel. Poured the oil over him. How many years in between boyhood to when he actually became king? Was the delay because God, no, no. See, delay does not mean that God is not moving. Look at Abraham. He was promised a son. How many years later was his son born? We can go testimony after testimony after testimony. Now, sometimes... Man, God moves, and there's miraculous healing. There's instantaneous healing. There's instantaneous provision. And sometimes, as Paul said it, there's a fight of faith. Of us going, okay, I don't got to fight, but I just got to follow God. I got I to get twisted up in him and bind myself up to him and follow after him and wait on him. Anyone, I, I, I didn't watch it, but anyone watched the, uh, the MMA fights yesterday, the, uh, the McGregor fights and all that that happened this, last night? Anyone really disappointed that you paid all of that money for a 40-second fight? That's how it was like growing up. Like we, didn't, we didn't have the MMA growing up. I, so I sound old. We didn't have the MMA. We had Tyson. Oh, when I was growing up, I had Tyson. But I remember, especially my parents at the time, I'm not paying for no Tyson fight. And we're, Dad, come on. It's Tyson. He goes, I'm not paying for a Tyson fight. Why? Because it was a lot like the fight last night. Tyson would come out, look at one step at the guy. Guy would punch. He'd turn to the right and go, knock him out and just walk away. Tyson wins. I always felt bad for the guy on the other side. You could just see it in their eyes like, oh, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm just doing this for the paycheck because I'm going to die. <laughs> the fight of faith is like that sometimes. Sometimes you pray, and bam, 40 seconds later, you got something. You have your healing. You have your provision. You have what God is saying. And other times he's saying, we're going 12 rounds. See, but is the 12-round fight victory any different than the 40-second victory? No. In the books, it's a victory. And in your life, do not stop just because the time from when you prayed 
Remember we read in the Old Testament, that very, go back to Luke 18, right in the beginning, the very first verse, he says, one day Jesus told the story that they should always pray and never give up. Why? Because he's saying, don't stop pressing in. Because those who press in, those who wait, will receive. They'll receive their strength. But those who bow out and just go off on their own way, says they don't. First, uh, 2 Corinthians, and I'm, I'm wrapping up with this, 2 Corinthians 1, 19-22 says this, For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. For he is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you as God's ultimate yes. Jesus is God's ultimate yes. He always does what he says. For all, notice in verse 20, for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding what? Sometimes we like to really like um, Christianese this. When you pray, God will give you three answers. Sometimes he'll say yes. Sometimes he'll say no. And sometimes he'll say maybe or wait. Now, read that to the different language in what God said. For all the promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding. So when you pray the promises of God, his answer could be a yes, could be a no, a maybe or a wait. For all the promises of God have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding. What does resounding mean? Aloud. For through Christ our amen, which means yes, which means let it be, ascends to God for his glory. It is God who enables us along with you to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. Do you know when you are saved, God promises you the Holy Spirit and that is a guarantee that he's going to continue to provide and answer all of his promises. His promises are yes. His promises are amen. Now, I know our mind, again, our mind starts going, but what about, what about, what about this, what about this, what about this, what about this? And we start getting our, our list of complaints of what about, 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 what about? No, 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 listen to me. We need to get it through our minds. All the promises in God, if we're talking about a promise of God, we're talking about his word, his promise, his word is a yes. Not a maybe, not a I'm going to let you sit in torture for a while. Well, God just made me sick because he really wanted to teach me a lesson. Nowhere do you find that in the Bible. God wanted to teach his people a lesson. He taught the enemies that. He taught Pharaoh that by being in the plagues on them. But nowhere did he bring upon his people and say, I'm not going to heal you because I want you to learn a lesson. That is a lie from the enemy. All the promises of God are yes. See the importance of getting bound up in the promises of God. If I know what the promises of God are, if I know what the promises of God are, all of a sudden it gives me confidence because if I know he said yes, I know before I even ask it what his answer is. Lord, do you want to heal me? Yes. Remember when the, the, uh, that leper who came up to him and he said, Jesus, 
if it is your will that I could be healed. And what did Jesus say? I'm willing, be healed. And he touched him and he was healed. Jesus' answer is, I'm willing. Yes. But don't give up. Don't stop halfway. Don't get to the 12th round and throw in the white towel. He says, press in. Twist in. Press in the name.